Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Um, if you are on Facebook, you might uh, want to check out today's guest. I've learned so much and been so excited about um, the things she's been posting uh, that I invited her on the show. So um, welcome, Kelsey Olds. I'm super excited to be here. Yay. Kelsey, tell folks about yourself, please. Um, so I write, uh, I do online advocacy under the name, the occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an occupational therapist. Um, I work in, uh, pediatrics. I'm in a school setting right now, although I have hopped around a lot in the past. Um, but schools is really where my heart, uh, and my passion is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, a lot of the online work I do is in the realm of, of OT, uh, domain, like what, what all OTs talk about, but then I also kind of overlap with, um, just kind of child development, um, and, uh, parenting coaching and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that in general too, that may, that isn't necessarily just contained within OT. Yeah. I'm learning so much, um, from occupational therapists the last five or six years. I, um, uh, so right now I'm a, uh, early childhood program chair and and professor at a community college in Indiana. And, um, but before that I was at Purdue University in um, some early childhood clinics for the speech language and hearing department. And um, uh, had, you know, hadn't ever really thought about occupational therapists mm-hmm. being something for it's, children. It's not a, uh, it's not a super commonly, it's not as much well-known as yeah. or physical therapy. We somehow are like the forgotten triplet. Right. Like. Right. But, but when I, um, when I find you all out in the internet world or social media world, I learn so much. So what I'm saying is I need you and, and people like Greg Santucci and other, uh, playful occupational therapists to write more books for me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I can't find good books. I'll um, put it on my to-do list. Write, write a book for me, please, so that I can dig in. It'll um, say the dedication is to Heather. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that too. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, Kelsey, I I already said that I, I love your, your posts so much, but when this week really... Um, caught my attention and um the comments comments were so um as you would expect them to be on this topic kind of all over the place and you did such a nice job of being down in the conversation um but you were talking about consequences so because we have to start with a quote this is what this is the first sentence of your post um from a couple well a couple days ago so when would that have been june 21st ish 2020 yeah so people want to go find it Um, You said, I think we would actually all be fine if we would drop the word consequences from our vocabularies entirely. And when I read just that sentence, I could like hear the collective gasping. Like complete anathema to the uh, any adult interacting with any child world. Yeah. Yeah. So make your case. What are you talking about? (laughs) So I, I just, I, and it came from, um, I am a part of a lot of parenting groups, um, both like 
you know, like to ask questions and to learn and all of these things. And, and I just feel like I see so much conversation where people are like, um, um, help me figure out the natural consequences for such and such, or my kid did X, Y, Z. What should, what, what consequences would make sense for that? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it, um, first of all, if you're going by any, anybody's definition of like, I, there's like, several different parenting frameworks that teach well there's punishment which is arbitrary and then there's natural consequences which is just what happens naturally and then there's logical consequences which is when either like whatever happens naturally isn't uh like you know isn't like um allowable as parents like you can't be like the natural consequence of going in the street is you get run over by a car <laughs> now you've learned your lesson you know yeah. so like oh so logical consequences is the thing that parents should do when um you know when when either the natural consequence isn't isn't safe and allowable or I feel like people don't say but I feel like the uh the like the unspoken thing is or if the natural consequences aren't bad enough right <laughs> Uh, you know, your kid's not learning your lesson enough from whatever would naturally yeah. happen. They just do something logical to hurt and punish them. Right. Um, I mean, let's be honest. What we're talking about is something that will make them feel bad or or make them sad. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, Which and, is like, and I, I said in the post, I'm glad that we've societally decided to move away from kid did something I don't like. I get to revenge myself upon them in whatever way oh, I see fit. Revenge is but a good it's word. Like we, we've, we've taken a step, like a tiny little step, but we've just walked over to like, kid has done something I don't like. I get to revenge myself upon them in a logical and like reasonable manner as yeah. deemed by society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I think about that a lot, that it really, it's so harsh to say. And I can acknowledge that most of these questions from parents or or even people early childhood teachers or whatever most of it comes from a good place they feel like they need to teach they feel like they need to protect mm -hmm. or whatever but if you don't stop and make what's implicit in your in your brain explicit right <laughs> you'll never reflect on it you'll never think differently about it and so that's why what I think your post really did was make some of that um uh I mean, really implicit bias against children. <laughs> it's <laughs> more explicit and, I, and make people yeah. think and talk about it. I know it's very provocative language. Um, I don't uh, mean to imply that like everyone who's ever tried to, you know, teach their child something or or stop their child from doing something that they feel like is dangerous or or anything like that is just doing it because they're like a power hungry dictator. Mm -hmm. Like that's not <laughs> like that's not what I think, and it's also not what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I just think that it's, it can be coming from a good place or like meaning well, and it can still be like rooted in a framework that I feel like we don't just need to like swap out one mm -hmm. thing and sub it in with another in the framework. We need to like abandon the framework is the, yeah. is the thing. And after making that post, I like, um, cause when I'm, when I write a post, it might be very much in advance or it might be just a little bit in advance, mm -hmm. but it's usually, I almost never write something and then post it right away. 
Um, and, um, and so when I write it, I'm in like one headspace cause I'm thinking about what I'm writing and all this. Mm-hmm. And then, um, by the time that it posts, I have had more and more time to think about it or whatever, but it's only been a conversation in my own head. So okay. it's almost like a whole second conversation happens when people respond to it. And I interact with people in comments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And so for the past couple of days since the post posted, then I've been walking around thinking about all of my own like second wave of thoughts and stuff. And I um came up with this analogy that's like absolutely bonkers. Uh, so it's just like, go on a, go on a, uh, an absolutely bananas ride with me for a moment. Um, uh, excellent. But, uh, I was like, well, so, okay. Imagine that there's, a, there's like a whole entire society, a whole human society and uh the way that anybody like gains nutrition is via uh like uh like powders that have been like synthesized by scientists or whatever maybe it's an alien race and we landed on their planet and we find out that the way that they get nutrition is that they have a powder and they mix it with water and they drink they drink the water uh and it gives them all of their nutrients uh-huh. but it tastes terrible and uh nobody enjoys it and it's like completely you know like a uh, a necessity thing for prolonging life and uh and and so like I show up to their society and I'm like did you guys know that there's like other ways that that people (laughs) can like get nutrition like you could get nutrition by like eating like a piece of cake or a hamburger or like you know (laughs) they're like there's like pleasurable things out there and then they're like oh yeah you're right this is really terrible and everybody hates it I know we'll mix the powder with juice so that it's like slightly more palatable but that's not what I was saying I was saying that you could take it entirely and they're like well no but you have to you have to get nutrition by mixing powder with liquid yeah but you're right we should take away the water and we should replace it with juice and I'm like no I'm saying like eat a pizza like join me eat a snack it's a fun time you know and so yeah. that's where I'm like, that's what I feel like. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. We shouldn't yeah. uh, just like enact whatever punishments. We shouldn't hit children. We shouldn't, um, you know, like send them away from us. We shouldn't, you know, but we do still need to figure out how to swap out hurting them extremely with like hurting them a little bit, but like right. a reasonable amount. And it's right. like, no, I'm saying you don't have to hurt children. Like, <laughs> you to learn things. Nobody yeah. has to be hurt to learn things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, but I, I, you know, you're talking about strong language and provocative language, and that's such a good <laughs> analogy that it threw me off for a minute. I was having so much fun with it. Now um, you're thinking about pizza. I get it. I've already used up my one pizza night for the week, though. So. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, nobody, I don't think any adults are like, yes, I need revenge. I must, I must seek justice or whatever. Right. Uh, you say things like, well, you can't just let them get away with it. Um, so it's like, you're just get grabbing attention with a, right. a different word for something. Well, and I, I, so I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody feel called out at all. So I'm trying not to, um, use any examples that anybody specifically did in the, in the comments. So I'm trying yeah. to think of, yeah. a, of either like a hypothetical or like an example from my own childhood, but like, cause I was, you know, I was raised in a, in a, uh, a, 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 a traditional, like mm-hmm. normal, you know, parenting punitive like mindset right Right. um and there were several parents who like asked me with specific examples um like okay like I get what you're saying but like I told my kid to do this and my kid forgot to do this you know and maybe they even like gave them extra chances like I and I reminded them and they forgot again and it was important and I reminded them again and they forgot again and so I did you know I did I didn't know what else to do so I did something that I knew would bother them, even if I, I don't, 
you know, I know when I say hurt, people think of like corporal punishment or like really yeah. dramatic stuff. I did something that I knew would be upsetting to them. Right. I did something that I, that I, that I had to use the, like the, you have to fall back on because I'm bigger than you and I can. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to take something away from somebody, if you're going to, if you're going to um, tell somebody that they can't do something or block their access to something that they have, you know, like the only yeah. kind of relationship in which you can do that and it like be societally okay is a parent, you know, a mm-hmm. parent child or maybe teacher child, but adult yeah. child relationship. Yeah. yeah. And, and people were like, so, you know, I, they couldn't have this thing for two days or they couldn't do this privilege that they usually have. And, uh, and, and now they remember the thing or, or whatever. So, uh-huh. so what are you saying I should have done differently, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, it's not that I think that those people are unreasonable or terrible or, right. you know, horrible parents or ruining their kid for life or anything like that. But I, 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 I kind of broke down the, I was like in a parallel universe, you know, you said to your kid, like, okay, I wanted you to remember this. Um, and you, you forgot. So I do something that hurts you or bothers you a little bit. And maybe now next time you'll remember in a parallel universe, maybe next time they also forget, you know, like there's no guarantee that this worked Uh or whatever Yeah. in a parallel universe, maybe without you punishing them, then they like still remember because this time talking with you about it made them remember, or they're at the level of maturity where their body was ready for it. Uh Uh-huh in a different parallel universe, maybe you don't punish them because you don't believe in it or whatever. And they also still forget and need to mind <laughs> it again. Kids just need help with things again. Like, yeah. it's like, there's, it. it's not that I'm saying, you know, you're, this is absolutely bonkers. Where did you come up with this idea from? Because I know where you came up with this idea uh-huh. from. It's like a mega societal idea. But I am saying that I don't think that the cause and effect it is as strong as people think it is because it could also in another parallel universe you do this and it really ruptures something in your relationship yeah. and the kid doubles down on the thing that you didn't like because they're you know they're there are kids who are more naturally desperate to be compliant and then there are kids mm-hmm. who are more naturally like desperate to be autonomous and mm-hmm. both of those are like normal child development appropriate um uh you know like I hate the word behaviors because yeah. it's so me too. I would not gets, use it. <laughs> I was using it in a literal sense. Those are both yeah. appropriate behaviors for, yeah. for children to have, but but I don't mean it as a euphemism for misbehaviors. Right. But, um they're both appropriate actions for there a kid. You go. To seek autonomy <laughs> is an appropriate action for a kid and to yeah. seek compliance and connection with their adult is an appropriate action for a kid. And some kids will do one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think um part of it is that that it's it, I mean it's just harder to do it a different way it it <laughs> takes a little bit more I'll say skill I don't mean that as name calling to the person that that's hard no, for or whatever not. you know but it it does take some understanding of what's really happening and some effort on the adults part to try and understand what's really happening. And, and and that's why it's hard because we think, well, I could just have this recipe and then I don't have to stop and think it through. You know, I don't have to put so much time and effort into it every time. It's just automatic. But um, like in the description, the example you just gave of the, they asked the child to do something and the child forgot, you know, there's so much that we could, we could be like, is it even appropriate to expect that they'd remember at this point? 
um how many uh, things in my life do I forget exactly on that's the other thing I was thinking while, me for them. while you're talking I locked myself out of my office at work four times this week that's and a I'm, lot of times I'm 52 that is a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not that's not even an exaggeration I am um, by by this morning I just walked into the main office and they just like didn't even look at me and handed me the master key so but but I laugh about it and everyone thinks that's just a quirky thing about Heather um no one drew up any consequences for me for the consequence was I'm embarrassed because I have right. to go ask for the key again and if somebody wanted to like actually you know, if somebody wanted to, if it was a big problem and somebody needed to legitimately make an action plan with you about like solving yeah. it, if their first step was to be like, if this ever happens again, this is how we will punish you versus like, hey, is there like a hook we could put up that you could put your key on? Or like, is there a, you know, if we put yes. it on a lanyard for you, would that help you wear it? You know, like, yeah, yeah, if yeah my husband had and- had similar suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody jumped if if your boss or your coworker or whoever jumped immediately to how can I hurt you to make you remember this harder mm-hmm. versus what in your what in yourself or your environment or your circumstances can I change to support you then mm-hmm. even if even if the threat of whatever really did make you think about it really hard and really did make you find your own accommodation solution so that you could do it Mm-hmm. it would hurt your relationship with that person like yeah, you'd be walking sure. around thinking like this person you know they just threatened me <laughs> yeah I think you know I think a lot of consequence decisions do um even the gentlest right if, impact the relationship if if the adult hasn't really tried to figure out what's going on you know I think like even something as common and seemingly simple as the child who won't sit still won't sit still in quotes during a story time or whatever and so we send them we send them away to sit in the timeout or whatever there's um there's so much damage to relationship with the teacher who didn't understand or see me or take any time to figure out what was going on with me um and even then in the community because those children who are still in the circle learn there's something wrong with the kid who keeps getting sent out of the circle and so those relationships are impacted I had a kid who um I was working with in a there's so there's pull out setting and then there's push in setting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I usually significantly prefer pull out um for a lot of reasons that are not the point of this podcast. <laughs> I understand the purposes of wanting to keep them with their peers as much yeah. as possible, but I find that the work that I do usually uh, works better when they aren't feeling looked at and they aren't, you know, um, mm-hmm. and they're feeling, you know, um, safe and in a, and not distracted by all the other kids. Anyway, lots mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Um, this kid had an IEP coming in to the school and the IEP said push in. And so until we had a meeting to, to change it, legally I needed to follow what was on the IEP and so um so I was doing push in in a setting in a with for a lot of reasons even more than just my own personal philosophies wouldn't <laughs> wasn't working well mm-hmm. um and so I was supposed to be helping this poor this poor second grader she was like um like eight or nine um and um and they were doing like a little writing and reading worksheet together and they were supposed to be doing it in like little groups of four and uh and I came 
she's like severely dyslexic and uh and the and the work was like so far over her head and what I was supposed to be working on with her was like her like handwriting and pencil grip and all of this default OT stuff Mm -hmm. and um and so she's just like sitting there with the with the paper in her lap and she had kind of this like fake frozen smile like you do when you're uncomfortable in a situation and don't know what else to do yeah and the other three girls in her group were working together with one another but they wouldn't slow down enough for her to write any of the things down or tell her what any of the words said because they said um she's just not trying she should know how to read this stuff by now oh my gosh and she she doesn't pay any attention and she doesn't even remember words like the and she doesn't know any of the sight words and she was just sitting there like again with like this fake fake smile just kind of staring at her lap like she didn't know what to do and I also didn't know what to do despite being the adult (laughs) and so I ended up just like pulling her a little bit to the side so that we could just like work together and then I I talked to the teacher about it later but um but I was just thinking like that framework isn't one that was invented by other seven-year-olds. Like uh, other seven-year-olds are not the ones who said you're not paying attention in class and you're not doing the work and you're not even trying to remember these sight words. Like they weren't the first ones to say that. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were picking up that modeling yeah. from somebody else. And and they were they didn't say it in these words, but they could just as well have said the the natural consequence is we're not going to help you on this paper because you're not even able to help us mm-hmm. so why you know this, this is supposed to be a team assignment yeah. why would we help you you yeah. can't even read the words the yeah. natural consequence is you have to do it yourself and that was a completely unreasonable thing because she couldn't even do the thing to begin right. with and right and that sounds so outrageous to any adult listening to it that they're like well of course she couldn't even do the thing to begin with yeah. but when i think about consequences i'm thinking about a thing that my kid is completely capable of doing and that's exactly <laughs> why it's totally appropriate for me to punish them uh, yeah and i'm saying that if there's something in the way then there's something in the way whether right. it's like a valid reason for you or not right i think one of the things that that the framework of consequences does is it puts the responsibility squarely on the child to change. And it sort of puts the problem outside of me. This problem clearly just lives in the child, um, sits on their shoulders. And there's only so much I can do if they aren't willing to to try. Right. And, and if they're not willing to try, we need to make it Un- we need to make the not trying unpleasant, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. that is. And it's just so natural because we've all grown up with it. Mm-hmm. And some of us have been explicitly taught it in our coursework and our teacher yeah. prep or our, you know, whatever we're doing to prepare for our work with, with children. And, um, uh, you know, it just sort of pathologizes instead of humanizes. That's what I, what I loved about what your, your work down in the comments was, that you would give those two alternatives, you know, I was gonna, one was yeah, really pathologizing was and one to, was really humanizing. Yeah. That, um, that because some people really gave good examples where they're like, but are you saying that this isn't what the end result would look like? And I'm like, no, if I was in that situation, that is probably what the end result would look like, but my mental like framework behind it would be different. Uh-huh. And that might sound like I'm just being like pedantic about it, but I actually think that the mental framework behind it is a really important component yeah. of it. So um, uh, I don't feel like this one was 
too personal or anything but somebody gave the example of a kid screaming in a movie theater that one felt right. public enough to not yeah. be like several kids out. i think it was several kids screaming in the yeah, theater. yeah yeah <laughs> well if it was if it was yeah. me it would be a maximum of two kids so yeah, if yeah. i was the one parenting um <laughs> yeah but um but yeah they they were trying to watch a movie and kids were screaming in the in the theater and um and their their feeling was like isn't it a natural or a logical consequence to to take the kid out mm-hmm. of the theater and I was like well first of all the natural consequence of yelling in a theater is that it is loud in the theater like that's the natural <laughs> the natural consequence right. is the thing that just happens by itself the yeah. logical consequence might be you should take the kid out of the theater right but then I was like so imagine two um two two scenarios with two different parents and both scenarios begin with kid yelling in theater and both scenarios end with parent removing child from theater because I'm mm-hmm. not it's not that I'm saying that that's an unreasonable end right. result but parent one is thinking, you know, um, I warned him and he's still yelling and running up and down the aisles. So the logical consequence for this is that I'm going to pick him up and take him out because that that'll show him that he should have sat down and listened when I told mm-hmm. him that he that he mm-hmm. should have. Yeah. And the second parent is thinking like, oh, boy, we were not ready to sit through a whole yeah. movie yet, huh? Like, OK, <laughs> well, that's how, you know, that's that's how it is. Like, yeah. he's just he's just too wiggly at this age and. And this movie is too long, so we're gonna get up and go. Yeah. And and the even if neither parent ever says that out loud, it's still going to affect how they move with their body and how they the mm-hmm. the demeanor yeah. with which they pick up their child. I like how they handle the child's body. Yeah. Yeah. The way that they talk about it to their mm-hmm. partner or their friend when they get out of the theater and explain why they're out of the theater mm-hmm. and and the way that the child then hears their self being talked about, you know, and yeah. um. And, and I just, I think that those invisible parts of it are actually also important, even though, even if, even if they didn't go out and talk about it in front of the kid, even if they, even if all they ever did was silently pick up the child and leave and the child was just reading the parents' vibes about it. (laughs) I still think even then, even with no other external thing ever, I still think that it actually makes a difference what the vibes are yeah I, yeah a, I'm, I'm with you on that yeah uh because I I just I and I'm talking about myself I um I thought of an example that I can give that it only embarrasses me and, and nobody else <laughs> yeah and I want to be clear I wasn't making when I said several children I just that tickled me the idea oh yeah yeah yeah, several yeah. No, children uh, screaming in the theater but um so like uh my kid has spilled many things before and some of them have been more accidental and some of them have been more on purpose or via silliness or or carelessness Uh or whatever and I have absolutely had times where I've been like well you need to clean it up and my kid won't clean it up and I have physically hand over hand tried to take my child's hand and arm and force them to clean something up with a towel that I am really holding and moving yeah and but I'm like dragging them along for the ride and everybody is mad about it. And uh-huh. you could say that that is a logical consequence. Like, oh, they didn't clean it up. So the, lo- or I mean, they spilled it. So the logical consequence is that they have to clean it up. The natural yeah. consequence of spilling something is that it is on the floor or the couch. Right. Such a great again, distinction. The natural yeah. consequence is just yeah. whatever happens with no intervention whatsoever. Yeah. But yes, it is logical to say you spilled this, you have to clean it up. But the only reason I've ever, ever done that is because I personally, Kelsey, was feeling stressed out and angry about it or feeling like, man, you make messes all the time and you never clean up anything. And I <laughs> just clean up all day long and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. it never had to do with my kid. It really had to do with me. It 
makes a lot of sense that my kid kind of freezes when I'm approaching him again with that vibe of uh-huh. like, I'm, oh, you know, woe is me. I have to clean up your mess all day long. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you just don't even care. And, um, and in the times when I haven't been stressed out and when I've been like, able to take enough of a step back or enough of a pause uh-huh. I have seen that usually the like just like immediate embarrassment of having spilled something whether by ac- total mm-hmm. accident or by like what looks to me like carelessness mm-hmm. um usually the embarrassment of it freezes him for a couple of minutes before he can do anything about it mm-hmm. and if I um say nothing or react to it in no way or just like super casually put a towel nearby then in an amount of time that feels like more time than it would take me to move my hand back and forth to Mm -hmm. clean it with a towel but in an amount of time that accounts for him having to process at a slower rate than I do which I already know he does because both he's a child and because of his unique neurodivergence uh and 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 then he'll he'll sometimes clean it up or sometimes he won't and he'll walk away. But also I've tripped and fallen while holding things and he's rushed over and been like, Mommy, I got you a towel. Let me help you. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, I have no shame in this situation. None of it involved <laughs> me and my clumsiness. I would love to help you right. because you're a member of my family and I love you. And so like I don't need to like do this like thing where I project a million years into the future and I'm like, He's never going to take responsibility as an yeah. adult because he dropped a strawberry one time on the carpet and blah, blah, blah. like what like where you know that only ever yes. comes from me having my own well be running dry right like, that doesn't have anything to do with him mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the case in a lot of um especially uh, like I think that for um many parents it's just the default and they haven't ever questioned it right but for parents who have questioned it and yet still find themselves falling back into like a well what else am I supposed to do kind of right I think that it's got its roots in sometimes fear sometimes helplessness mm-hmm. sometimes embarrassment especially if like other people are around and so you feel like you have to do something right. or else they didn't learn anything from it right you know um but a lot but and I think there could be a lot of other emotions too and I don't think that any of them are like super duper like confident like uh decision making type emotions they're like this scared hurt you know I don't know what else to do I don't mm-hmm. know how to make this better I don't know how to make you into a competent adult someday <laughs> you know like those types of like fearful things yeah. that aren't the they aren't the well from which I want to draw when I'm parenting anyway they're not right. the thing that I want to build this on and with our concerns so far in the future we forget about what the child's experience is and ours too, what right. our, our relational experience is in that moment and um and the messages about competence and acceptance and and second chances and all that get really muddy. Yeah. Um that but um you know if nothing else, if we can practice a pause, you know, right. if, if if that can be That's our like first most, thing. Probably the one most like profound difference in my parenting journey my entire and also it affects my OT journey a lot too is that I literally just have spent so much time being like how about I think about this for like more than one eighth of a second before (laughs) I react to it like how about I did because um I really grew up with this like um like uh 
almost the like new learn like the the uh the the new learning the like new big great child development like thing was mm-hmm. that like oh well like you know like um we used to punish kids by being like okay well uh like wait till your father gets home and yeah. that's in like five hours and then like the kid doesn't even remember it so what you have to do is you have to do something right away right uh-huh. away right away right away it has to be right away or else the kid can't the teachable moments all this stuff yes and i think that that destroyed the ability to like like it doesn't mean that if you respond in five seconds instead of in one second that the kid like will have unless they're like literally like one year old or whatever mm-hmm. it probably doesn't evaporate that fast but yeah. like you can take a second to think has been the biggest thing to me uh-huh. to, to message to me yeah yeah well and you know a lot of the folks who listen to to this are working with kids you know birth to five or before they go to elementary school and especially in those ages like i think zero to three which is a national organization um here in the states um because you're in the UK, right? We we didn't talk am, about that. I am but... from the US and yeah. I have dabbled I just... in EI, but I am living in England. Yes. Yeah, I just thought people would think it was weird that I said here in the States. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, uh, they did like a survey and they asked parents, at what age do you think impulse, co- impulse control is, is there? Like, at what age do you think you should be able to just say, and they do. And, you know, most parents started, you know, thought it started and was a reasonable expectation about 18 months old. And I've definitely worked with early childhood teachers who think that, and that's so, so much earlier. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my know, gosh. Like, without yeah. considering any, um, you know, neurodivergence or, or right. individual difference, even just, just outside of labels. Um, uh, and, and. So realizing that that's where a lot of us are starting, um, right. that, that the, pause like, becomes so valuable. And the, um, the other, like, uh, big half of that, both parents think that, that, that just verbally saying something should be enough. And then, um, also that like everything that they're verbally saying is like totally being understood yeah because a kid did something once that it means that they can do it in all situations forever yeah like there's like all of there's like this like trio of yeah of and it's just a function like it's just a function of being smart enough like it's we're only thinking right. about them from the neck up you're smart enough to follow this to do this to, to I will, remember this i will and, sometimes say uh i will sometimes say which can be like such and such, which can be really hard to remember when you are talking to eloquent small people. Because, <laughs> yes. Uh, because people will be like, well, my two-year-old could repeat the instructions. So that means yeah. that they can do them at all times and in all places and yeah. with only a verbal command from 50 feet away, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, dude, they're two. Yeah. They've been in the earth for two years. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes those developmental checklists that are supposed to help adults understand children confuse this because they'll say things like, follows one step direction, followed yeah. two step direction. And, and that translates into our adult minds as obedience and behavior right. situations and not, uh, give me your shoe. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where when you try to take something and explain it with, with absolutely no jargon from the field that you're in. Yeah. And the more that you try to simplify it down, the more you basically have to like lie in order to do that because like you have to make it so simple that it's like no longer even true. Yeah. So you'll be like, 
Well, what I want to assess is like, do they hear you say the word no? And do they turn and do they look at you? And then do they continue to do the thing anyway? Uh -huh. Because that's developmentally appropriate. And yeah. like, do they seem like they care about your input at all? Or like they acknowledge <laughs> that you have spoken to them? But then like the questionnaire will say that. And what it will say is like, you know, when you say no, do they know what that means? And they yeah. think it means like, oh yeah, they follow the obedient, like they obey right. the and no from a distance when they're like 18 months old or whatever yeah. it's like no they don't yeah no yeah so so what do we do about this all what what's the what what should we be doing if not using the word consequence so I mean you've cut you've touched on that of course as we go through but I want to add well, and then the the other interesting thing that I was unaware of <laughs> in the in the in the comments was how many people are like yes this is why I say limits and boundaries and then proceeded to like describe the, the exact same thing. thing but now with a new word on it and I was like dang it don't take that one from me like yeah hang yeah. on stop yeah Those people were like um a boundary is when you say, if you keep doing X, then I'm going to X. And I was like, that's, that's not a boundary. Yeah. That's a threat. That's a threat. Like, <laughs> that's a threat. If you're, if you're like, and again, it's like one of those things where it sounds semantic or like, mm -hmm. I'm just being super pedantic about it, but like it, it, the difference could be with the thing that's in your head. Because mm -hmm. if you're saying, um, um, I'm trying to think of something that I routinely say to my kids. Oh, I'll be like, uh, well, cause I really don't word it in threat form, but I guess mm -hmm. I could, if I was, if I was not thinking about my language or whatever, mm -hmm. I could see myself conceivably being like, Hey, if you're not going to brush your teeth, then I can help you. And, mm -hmm. and there, there could be a, we do like, that. Do you want me to help you? <laughs> <laughs> we do that i have said that i have threat. said that yeah. sometimes through gritted teeth. yeah i still think that keeping the anyway. i still think that keeping the language helps me keep my mind in sure. the right place even yeah. when my mind is like i'm going to help you bro. yeah 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 <laughs> like, super angry about it yeah. but um but but i could see one parent being like hey if you're not going to brush your teeth then i'm going to help you that's and what like, i mean yeah everything about that completely conveys yeah. um like you brush your teeth or else you know mm -hmm. and and if I, I am at a point where if I say those words, I, I am legitimately just being like, do you, do you want, it's a, it's an actual question. It's not a leading question. Do you want to brush your teeth or do you want me to help you brush your teeth? Like uh -huh. which, which one would you prefer? Cause my kid routinely prefers both. And so that's the only reason why I would say that. <laughs> yeah. I think I would be more likely, I, I usually by toothbrushing time that everybody's really tapped out. So I'm more likely just hand a toothbrush in his direction and say no words at all because uh -huh. he's more likely to take it and then just start brushing or, or whatever, but, um, or, or be like, I'm too tired and lay down and just open his mouth. And then I brush his teeth. So, <laughs> but, um, but if I was saying it, it would be a legitimate question. If I was, if I, if I'm saying there's like things where they, where they sound like threats or, or, or they could be used as threats and, and it's, so it's not just like a magic, uh, incantation where if you say the right words, then you right. are, uh not threatening your kid or, mm -hmm. or whatever it's it it's super duper like a mindset sh mindset shift first to like again step completely out of this framework where you are thinking um like the way that kids learn is either through like trial and error cause and effect or through aversives of mm -hmm. some kind something has to um feel bad or or right. you know unhappy or, or negative about the the situation that I don't want them to do again mm -hmm. in order for them to never do it again like it's mm -hmm. it's not that simple for many many reasons um 
and it is a lot slower and it is a lot of like setting the groundwork and for kids zero to five and especially zero to three it is a lot more active and (laughs) hands-on yeah um to to like legitimately be like listen if you haven't demonstrated a skill like like you will know that they can do it when they do it and you Mm -hmm. will know that they can do it reliably when they do it reliably (laughs) and I assume that my kid wants to be like me because everything that they ever do shows how much they want to be like me and Uh so I assume that my kid generally wants when my kid's feeling good and loved and connected with me my kid generally wants to go along with what I want to do on the things that are important and I don't spend so much of my parenting capital on the things that are unimportant that it you know that it's just like an endless string of demands forever and ever and so they run out at some point yeah and and all of these things are like so many just like things in my head that aren't things that I have even pulled even before I approach my kid even before I've pulled them in on it and so like it is it is tiring it is hard to like set that groundwork and also mine are four and five and it's not like I think we're coming out the other side yet or anything but I I have read people saying that like zero to three is like where you're the most setting the groundwork and if you can do that yeah then you're in a really good place for the rest of for the rest of their childhood for the rest of their life and I can already see like the tiniest little seeds of that at four and five but I can already see it I really can that like that even when I get super mad for no real good reason and you know like fall into some parenting style I shouldn't or whatever like we bounce back from it because there's this whole entire background Mm -hmm. of of connection capital that I built with them and and I can say like that was you know that was wrong of me and I'm sorry and that's not how I want to be your mom Mm -hmm. you know and they can like believe that I mean that because I like show it as much of the time as possible you know yeah um and I I think that you know translates to early childhood teachers too and and caregivers and um uh other 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 folks who are in power you know potential positions of power I find over that, young children that um in my OT role I it's both a blessing and a curse because you know if the kid has no real good relationships with any other adults in their life then that's yeah. just like heartbreaking in mm-hmm. every way but I find that they're usually desperate for the one adult who will you know and so like whether whether um it puts you in uh especially with zero to five like especially with zero to five because they're not even old enough to be like jaded you know like (laughs) because I have some who are like uh like like 10 or whatever Mm -hmm. and it takes longer to be like no I really am a reliable adult but like a a three-year-old will like they'll trust you pretty fast if right. you at least try you out pretty reliable. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're typically, I mean, there's obviously situations with, with severe trauma and things like that, mm-hmm. but typically speaking, they'll, they'll, they'll recognize an adult who's on their side pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they haven't had great experiences with adults in the past, they're still like, Oh, Hey, here's one who's like, they're supposed to be like, I knew it. Something yeah. in me innately knew it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's that vibe again. It's that. Right. That it vibe really again. is. And yeah. I, and I, um, there's, I like how my parenting bleeds into my OT and my OT bleeds into my parenting because I can feel times where I'm like, 
can feel myself pause in a way that I would do better at at work than I do at home because I'm not around my work kids 24 hours yeah. a day. And the they context been, is so different. You know, yeah. yeah, they haven't been been doing things that annoy me since they were like, you know, like <laughs> four months old and learned how to pterodactyl screech. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so they're there, but I can feel times where I'm like, oh, wait, I, you know, I, I can have the patients that I have at work. Like I can, I can just mm-hmm. try it. I can just yeah. try being that type of adult with you. Can't I? And then my kids are like, yeah, you can, you totally can. <laughs> Not verbally, just, yeah. just behaviorally. Yeah. Um, although they have both picked up on the like super duper preschool phrase uh you're my best friend you're not my best friend oh sure yeah uh they're both constantly telling me that I am or I'm not their best friend given (laughs) on whether I'm like giving them snacks or making them go to bed at any right yeah yeah um but well if we're all like sitting and just enjoy like if we're doing anything and we're all content and we're all enjoying each other's presence they'll be like mom you're my best friend and I'm like thanks bud (laughs) I love you too (laughs) yeah um that's always a big topic of discussion too you know it's it's just the language they have for the feeling oh, yeah. they're feeling. Yeah. And, but it's I so think funny that, uh, I think that, when you're uh, looking at it from outside of the, the emotion. <laughs> right. I think that having kids who, uh, who had real interesting, like language journeys to being able to speak made me like real predisposed to take no kid language, literally like almost uh, ever. I just yeah. like run it through a translator before I ever even think about it, about anything. And so that one is, is always real funny to me when people yeah. are uh, freaking out about yeah about super non-literal language right right um that's a whole other episode <laughs> it is I know I'll just you want to talk tomorrow yeah <laughs> I can just talk and talk and talk um yeah I, I mean I definitely want to have you on again um so it's about time to to wrap up a little bit but I want to ask what were there things you wanted to say that that you haven't been able to share yet or thoughts about the post or the the ideas I think that um if people can uh Dr. Ross Green has the um the kids do well if they can framework and that's a real hard one to wrap your head around when you are coming from a totally different framework that you've never heard that before or you've never thought that before because it's real easy to to look at your kid uh not doing well and be like uh you know no this is because they're choosing not to or this is because something this is because something like you said the 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 locus of the problem is in the child Mm -hmm. and not um in something else and so it can be really hard especially I think I don't know whether all your listeners are in the states but um there's a really (laughs) there's a there's a really built-in um like American individual responsibility, yeah. uh, individualism, and the most important thing in the world is independence. And mm-hmm. um, that's a super baked into American culture in a way that people will be like telling me that they want like independent, like my child needs to be dressing independently or my child needs to be ex independently by the time they're like two or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, hold up. Like sometimes <laughs> people need help for longer than that. Uh, even people without any kind of delay or struggle or anything yeah. just need help for longer yeah. than that. But, um, and, and sometimes asking your, for your help with something they already know how to do is just asking for a connection. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, sometimes you just like love your mom and want to hang out with her yeah. or you love your dad yeah. and want to hang out with him. Yeah. Like that's a like good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I think that, um, I think that 
I so I think that that kind of societal um expectation underlies the thing where it's like and so if if you ever you know if something is ever going wrong it is your fault like that's Mm -hmm. very baked into American society in a way that it's not globally um in both kids and adults and like you know like tragedies like it's like a thing that like like truly permeates society because of religious factors because of historical factors because a lot of things there's this really Mm -hmm. big message that if something goes wrong it is your fault and that gets applied to kids um in in ways in which it's like not developmentally appropriate and so Mm -hmm. it's like it is a big powerful cultural societal whole entire upbringing whatever factors it is for an individual parent who's trying to decide that like they want to try to buy into something different mm-hmm. it, it is big to shift your thinking from everything that my kid does wrong air quotes around wrong yeah everything that my kid does that I don't like <laughs> um it, the fault of it is on them to like they would be doing well if they could and so if they can't then something is is in their way and I am a person on their team who can help them move that thing out of their way maybe mm-hmm. yeah um, and um but but that's like where the that's like the groundwork of where all of this started for 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 me um and for a lot of people and um oh gosh I could like literally do so many episodes on this (laughs) Um, well you just make a list (laughs) and I hope I'm not stepping way out of bounds with this one but I want to just like just touch on something that I could probably talk about for 10 hours yeah which is that the religious context is a big part of it for me and my personal history me too yeah a big part of it for a lot of people in the states Mm -hmm. whether just because of their history and how they were raised or um or or something that they still believe or something that they once believed but never but don't anymore mm-hmm. um but there's like kind of a cultural uh uh culturally religious but not necessarily actively religious mm-hmm. belief of like kids are inherently bad kids right. are inherently trying to defy what you say kids are inherently disobedient um and um and the shift to like kids are really trying to <laughs> close to you kids are really trying to do their best yeah. kids are probably have thoughts in their head that don't have to do with just how can they make your life harder uh <laughs> all of those things are like uh they can be a shockingly big shift yeah especially to someone who doesn't have any of those factors they might right. look at that and be like what the heck are you talking about right. but it's like a really big thing for some people and it's a mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a hard hurdle to get over but there are people out there who have you're not the only one doing that journey or thinking that for the first time that maybe your kid isn't actually super duper horribly terrible and evil from birth uh 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 even if they like look like they're laughing while they're doing something that you don't want them to do or even if you think that they repeated back your exact instructions or or whatever a million scenarios are um and that's one that i have a lot of a lot of grace and a lot of care for people because it has a lot to do with my own personal journey mm-hmm. and, and and stuff like that um mm-hmm. so well and you and it, and it whatever the reason if you've been raised in that kind of a framework it also it's not just questioning how you're responding it's questioning did my mom screw up like you know yeah. i i love my mom she was a great mom right. but you know and our you know that again a whole other a whole other 
insert length of time right <laughs> conversation Just be like here this is the consequences episode and then we can do the like uh generational trauma episode yeah <laughs> uh, you know. yeah, yeah um this this has been really fun for me <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed uh yeah, the conversation I absolutely love it when somebody points me at a at a uh at a topic and I just ramble and <laughs> That's kind of why I started the podcast so I could do it <laughs> um, and trick people into talking to me about things that were that we that we think are cool. Um, so so I, I mentioned that I found you on Facebook. Where else? Where can people find you if they want to um, get more of Facebook this? is the has the most of everything, but I do post on Instagram. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I don't post on Instagram as much because of the character limit. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when somebody tries to tell me we would like you to ramble, but it needs to be 2,200 characters long, and I'm just like, never mind. I'm not right. even gonna talk to you. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I do try to cross post on there sometimes because people will be like, I don't use Facebook. And I'm like, uh -huh. I know. Uh -huh. I have a website which is uh, www.occupational.com. Um. Uh, I am trying to get all of my Facebook posts ported over to that website, but right now I have about, uh, 210 of them. Um, wow. and, um, but there's a lot more than that on the Facebook. <laughs> the website is a million times more searchable. It has categories yeah. across the top. It has tags on the side and it has a search bar. So you can search like by the age. Um, so, uh, maybe your listeners would be most interested in babies, toddlers, preschoolers. I've got uh -huh. all of those ages on there. Great. Um, it, you can search like uh like autism or ADHD specifically you can search uh like by like activities or by philosophy um uh by uh like fine motor sensory uh child development like it's got lots and lots of categories yeah. to try to help people find what it is that they're actually looking for versus Facebook is kind of you just get a stream of whatever comes out of my right. mind but yeah. you do get the community of it on Facebook <laughs> and it's a really lovely it's genuinely I've only had like a couple of times where people have been uh real mean in the comments and the vast majority of the time everybody is really lovely um and and even when this was a real contentious one when I posted mm -hmm. it um but people were still like listen I usually agree with you this one is really throwing me can you yeah. please help me understand what you're talking about nobody's like like comment section some places on the internet where people are like you're stupid and everything you're saying exactly. is stupid and I hate you you know so um, you're not my best friend <laughs> you're not my best friend and you're not invited to my birthday party um yeah I so have so I much respect love... for people who get into the community of their comments um I don't use my Facebook the same way like that you do you know I'm yeah self-promotion kind of stuff but when I used to put more of that kind of mm -hmm. post out there I I generally just dropped it and ran <laughs> that's fair and I do have so I just like think that. it's great I do have posts like that uh or I'll be like hey I'm gonna drop this I'm gonna keep comments open for one hour and after that they are closed because my brain needs a break but there you um, go yeah but yeah. but I do really love getting to talk to people because uh, I'm just a talker. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that works out perfectly for podcasting. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, and I hope we, we get to talk again um, for Let's more episodes it. in the future. Um, so that was Kelsey Old, the occupational therapist 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 <laughs> my, yeah my words stopped working um and thank you all for listening to another episode of that early childhood nerd and that's the show now go get your nerd on
has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.